Well, good morning. Okay, good. Okay, I said nobody was here. All right, I'm going to go ahead and address the elephant in the room because this is going to be amazingly distracting today, but we're going to go ahead and talk about it. So you see me on this screen with about a uh, seven to eight second delay. It's going to be distracting if you allow it to be. Isn't this weird? I'm like, hey, Aaron. Uh, <laughs> so what's going to be occurring on this screen here in just a moment is you're going to start to see subtitles that are going to start to build out here. And uh, again, they're working on this today. They're actually going to be subtitled in Spanish. Uh, one of the things that we're seeking to do over the coming weeks is to provide more resources for our friends that are part of our church now that are still learning English. And so one of the ways we can serve them well is through Spanish subtitles of our messages. You've seen that we've been doing that with um, the worship song. And so this week we have to test it with the video present. After this week, it'll just be a black screen, and that black screen will actually just show up here with the text with the Spanish subtitles. And so um, you can allow this to distract you as much as you would like today, all right? You're allowed to do that, but just to address that elephant in the room. Um, so like I said, seven, six, seven, eight second delay, just a reality, but we have to test it live or we don't know if it's going to end up working. Other cool thing that I hope you noticed is all across the front of this stage today, uh, you've seen these backpacks. So around our campus, there's 72 of these backpacks that Send Relief provided us. And here's what's really cool. Our friends at Send Relief um, provided the backpacks, and then our friends at One Dublin, they filled them for us. And so inside these backpacks are all the school supplies that an elementary school student in Dublin would need to start the school year. Here's what's really cool. Next Saturday, these backpacks are going to get distributed through One Dublin. And what's neat about that is this cost Living Hope nothing. Look at that. Did that just make noise? No, it didn't. All right. This cost us absolutely nothing, guys. And so one of the codes that we've cracked with our ministry center, with a lot of our partnerships, is we can bless the community, and it doesn't cost us anything because we do it through our partnerships. And so when you give to Living Hope, you partner with Send Relief, you partner with One Dublin, and things like this occur where we get to give backpacks to 72 kids this school year. I thought that was pretty cool. All right, open up in your Bible to John chapter 10. John chapter 10. I'm going to ask for a little bit of grace today as well. I'm on the uh, tail end of a sinus infection that I had last Sunday after church, and uh, so I've got a little bit of a cough, and so if I start coughing uncontrollably, you've heard me say this before, every time I get sick, I get a lingering cough, and so the rule of thumb at Living Hope is if I start coughing and I pass out and die, you can't give me CPR because if I wake up, I'll clock you in the jaw, all right? Do not ever put your lips on my face. That's the deal, Okay. That is the deal. Well, hey, we get to start a new series today I'm excited about uh, that we're calling Listen, Hearing God's Voice. And uh, I'm going to address uh, what that means here in just a second. We're going to spend a few weeks in this. But if you'll stand with me in honor of reading God's Word, John chapter 10 is where we'll be this morning. It'll be up on our screen as well if you'd like to follow along. John chapter 10, verses 2 through 4, and God's Word says this. That the one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the gatekeeper opens it for him, and the sheep hear his voice, and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he has brought all, all his own outside, he goes ahead of them, and then listen to this, and the sheep follow him because they know his voice. Can we pray together? God, we love you. We thank you for your word. God, we thank you for what you're doing through our partnership with Send Relief. God, providing 
72 backpacks to 72 students across Northwest Columbus. God, we thank you for the gift of technology. Lord, where as time progresses, we'll be able to translate our services to be able to reach more people with the word of God and the message of the gospel. God, would you give us open ears to hear this morning? God, not just open ears, but receptive and soft hearts. God, because we don't want to just hear your word, we want to receive it. And then, Lord, would you allow us and help us to walk in obedience? Because what good is it, Father, to just hear from the scriptures if we do nothing with it? So, God, we pray that your spirit would be with us during this time. Grow us, mold us, and shape us into the image of Jesus. It's in his name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. At some point in your life, you've probably heard a statement similar to this, that there's a difference between hearing someone and actually listening to them. There's a difference between hearing someone and actually listening to them. I can't tell you how many times, and I got this approved by her, how many times a situation like this has occurred in my home, where typically a Sunday evening, my wife will send me to the store. She'll send me with a list because if there's anything that women know, if you don't give a man a list, we will come home with nothing that you actually asked for. She'll send me with a list doing her due diligence. And as I'm getting ready to leave my house, I'll sit on the steps, I'll tie my shoes. A lot of times I'll pull out my phone and check a couple emails quickly, return some messages. And as I'm walking out the door, typically my sweet wife will say something like this. Hey, in addition to the list, could you also get a package of paper towels? Of course, I'm putting on my shoes. I'm busy. I'm not thinking. And I'll just respond with something simple like this. Mm-hmm, and off I go. And when I return home an hour or so later, this is typically what I hear. Where are the paper towels? Why is that? Uh, I'm like, well, you didn't say anything about paper towels. What paper towels are you talking about? Paper towels were not on the list. Why, what paper towels are you even talking about? What's the lesson for us there? Because we're all familiar with it. There's a difference between hearing what someone says and actually listening to what someone says. Because right now, you and I, with the onset of technology and radio and television, we are surrounded by so many voices that are competing for our attention. Every day, we hear so many things. But this is important. If you're a note taker, I want you to write these two things down. Hearing is a very passive act. Hearing is very passive. Listening is very intentional and purposeful. There's a difference between the two. Listening takes intentionality. It takes work. And what I want us to explore these next few weeks in this this series that we're kind of taking a break with from the book of Romans is do you know how to actually listen for the voice of God in your life? I think so many Christians, and I I know this is true in my life, it's true in those that I've, I've walked with in various scenarios, that we've never been taught how to purposefully and actively listen for the voice of God in our lives. Over the years, I've helped people work through questions like this. Some of these I'm sure many of you have wrestled with. Here's a big one. What is God's will for my life? Beyond just living for His glory and sharing the gospel, what is God's will for my life? 
Some of you are wrestling with questions like this right now. Should I take this new job? Should my family consider moving? What does God want me and my family to do in this situation? And all of these questions that we wrestle with, they come back to this simple thought. Do you actually know how to listen for the voice of God in your life? Because here's what I know to be true from the Word of God and personal experience, that God is still speaking, and He wants to speak to you, not just generally through His Word, but He wants to speak to you very specifically through His Word as well. I want to remove the mysticism associated with the voice of God, because sometimes we hear things like this, um, I felt like God was telling me to do this. You know that's dangerous because your feelings lie. If we function by feeling all the time, it can get into some really dangerous murky waters for the follower of Jesus. Or we hear a statement like this, I sensed that God was calling me to do this. Or maybe this one, I just had a peace about this decision. I know the Word of God says that the Lord gives peace that surpasses all understanding for those who are in Christ Jesus. I understand that. But we can sometimes project a false sense of peace because it's a decision that we want to make, and it's not necessarily what God wants us to do. So let's get very practical these next few weeks. How do we listen for the voice of God in our lives? Side note to this, if you're a reader, I want you to write this down. Get the book Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. It'll cost you $7 on Amazon. If you can't afford it, one of our deacons will buy it for you, all right? Just let me know. I'll send you their direction, okay? $7 on Amazon. It's the, voice, the, the book Experiencing God by Henry Blackaby. So many of the principles that we're going to talk about these next few weeks come from that book. So let's just jump straight into this, and let's just start with this initial question. Let's lay some foundation for these next few weeks. Point number one is this. Does God still speak? Does our God still speak? A little bit of context to this. We, we see from Genesis to Revelation that God is still speaking throughout the Scriptures. Think about this. By the third verse in the very first book of the Bible, Genesis, we see God speaking. Look at this verse, Genesis 1, verse 3. God's Word says this, Then God, what? Said. Then God talked. And said, let there be light. God is a God who, who speaks. Even in the creative act of making the universe, God did it through speech. God speaks. Fast forward through human history before Jesus, specifically in the Scriptures. We see over and over that God talks to His people in various ways. Here's a few examples. You could write these down if you'd like to. In Genesis 3... God spoke to Adam and Eve in an audible voice. If you remember after the fall and they had consumed the fruit that God told them to stay away from, God comes in the cool evening breeze in the Garden of Eden, and what does He say to Adam and Eve? Where are you? God speaks to His people. In Genesis chapter 15, God was speaking to Abram. How did He do it? He did it through a vision. In Genesis chapter 28, God spoke to a man named Jacob through a dream. In Exodus 7, or chapter 7 through chapter 11, God spoke through miraculous signs. Do you remember the 10 plagues of Egypt? God was speaking through those. In 1 Kings chapter 19, 
God spoke to a man named Elijah through a gentle whisper. We see in Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1, God's word says this, that long ago God spoke to our ancestors by the prophets at different times in different ways. God spoke before Christ through the writings of the law and through the voices of his prophets. In Matthew 1, God spoke to a man named Joseph, the early fa- earthly father of Jesus, through an angel. Do you see it? God is a speaking God. Then we see in the Gospels, the second half of your Bible, that a transition occurs. And the writer of Hebrews addresses that. Verse 2 of Hebrews chapter 1, in these last days, welcome to them, you're in the last days if you didn't know that, post-resurrection, everything has been the last days. In the last days, God has spoken to us by who? Jesus. We see that in the Gospels, Jesus, God in the flesh, his words were the very words of God. The words of Jesus, as he spoke, he was speaking from the throne room of heaven. John talks about this in John chapter 1, verse 1. Lots of scripture today, so if you don't like the Bible, you're going to be really disappointed, but I hope you do. It says, in the beginning was the Word. The Word and Jesus, those are simultaneously the exact same thing. The Logos, that's the, the voice of God. It's also Jesus at the exact same time. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, that's Jesus, and the Word was also with God. But after the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus, what happened? Acts chapter 2, something new occurs. The Spirit of God comes as the communicator of God's words. Jesus told us that this would happen. John 16, verse 13, Jesus says, when the Spirit, the Spirit of truth comes, He'll do what? He'll guide you into all truth. How let's wrap, put a bow on all of this. What is the truth that you and I have now been blessed with that the Spirit guides us in? You ready for it? It's the Word of God. The most important book that you can have in your possession on a daily basis is this book. Nothing else will ever trump it. Why? Because it is in this book that we have the breathed out words of God on paper. It's amazing to me. Paul wrote in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16, that all Scripture, that's the reference to the, the first half and the second half of this book, is breathed out by God. You ready for a Greek lesson? Welcome to Greek class. Let me give it to you. Here we go. The word breathed out, it's really cool. It's two Greek words, theos and pneuma. You guys didn't know you were going to Greek class this morning. I'm really glad you're here. Glad you showed up. I'll give you the syllabus later. Here we go. Theos is uh, God. It's where we get like theology or a theocracy. It means God, theos. Pneuma means spirit or breath. So Paul writes in 2 Timothy 3.16 that this is what happens, that when we get the word of God, that it was God breathed onto paper. Isn't that amazing to you? It literally means that God spoke and it was breathed out onto paper. How? Second, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20. Here's what God's Word says in there. That as men were moved by the Spirit, they wrote the words of God. That God used humble men who allowed their personalities and their characteristics to come through in His writing, and He breathed out His Word, and they wrote His Word down. Y'all, it's through. <laughs> this is so important because you're not going to get this in a lot of places. I want you to hear me. This is Tune in right now. Ignore Aaron on the screen. This matters. Ready? Aaron on the screen, be quiet. This book, in this time period, and until Jesus comes back, 
is the primary way that we hear the voice of God. We're on the same page there? God is not, he's not going to speak to you through a dove flying into your window and it crashed and you're like, oh my gosh, I was going to get in a car crash this morning and I know that because the bird hit my window. That's, stop. The primary way that God speaks to you and he speaks to me and he speaks to all followers of Jesus is through this book. It is this book right here that is the standard of truth. Everything that you need to live and walk with Jesus Christ is contained in the pages of this book. This book is the complete revelation of what God wanted you and he wanted me to know. And nothing needs to be added to this book. It is complete. It is completely without error. And this is the primary way that God will speak to his kids. We're on the same page there? Nothing else. It's this book is the way that God will speak to us. You say, Aaron, but how do we know that that is the word of God? I'm not a big fan of having to prove a lot of stuff to you, but I'll I'll do this little solid for you real fast. We're not gonna get into this, but a little bit. I think this is important. Um, This book right here, 66 books in this, 66 letters, 66 books contained in this, 36 in the Old Testament, 27 in the New Testament, 40 different authors over a span of 1,500 years wrote this book, and there has never, ever in human history since this book has been compiled been ever one shred of credible discrepancy ever found in this book, period. Can't find it. You can try. You can search for it. Some of y'all are going to get on Google right now. Errors in the Bible. You're going to end up on some weirdo's blog that wrote it from his mama's basement while sipping on a Sprite, okay? No credible discrepancy has ever been found in those pages. Let me give you one more. This is really important. I'm not a, I'm not a big, like, uh, um, math, science, like, um, apologist type thing, but this has always blown my mind. Contained in the pages of this book are 300 prophetic, means that they were predicted hundreds if not thousands of years before they happened, prophetic predictions made about the real historical Jesus. That's kind of wild. 300 different prophetic things about him. Things about the manner of his death, the place of his birth, so many other things. And here's what's really wild to me. Of those 300 predictions made hundreds if not thousands of years before the real physical Jesus walked on planet earth, do you know how many of those were literally fulfilled in the person of Jesus Christ out of the 300? You just had to take a guess. 300. (laughs) All right. 300 of them. You say, wow, that's really cool. What are the odds of that? Let me tell you, you may have heard me share this before. Um, First off, Jesus's place of birth was predicted thousands of years before he was born in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2. And he was actually born in Bethlehem like Micah the prophet said he would be. Just a quick question. Did you pick where you were born? I mean, that one right there should be enough. You didn't pick where you were born. I didn't pick where I was born. Jesus was born in the exact place that hundreds of years, thousands of years before, they said he would be born. Now, think about this. Um, The odds of Jesus fulfilling all 300 prophecies made about him, what are the odds of that? Imagine that I came to church today, and I gave you enough quarters to cover the entire state of Texas about three feet deep in quarters. That's a lot of quarters. 
Texas is about 270,000 square miles. You could fit Ohio in Texas six different times. That's how big Texas is. It's pretty wild. It's pretty, pretty big. Now, if I gave you all of those quarters, you covered the entire state a few feet deep. I gave you one of those quarters, and I gave you a, a red permanent marker. I said, color that quarter as red as you can possibly get it. You said, okay. Then we came out here, and we got in Pastor Joe's private jet. <laughs> he don't have one. I'm just kidding. We got in Pastor Joe's private jet, and he took off, and he flew you up into the sky over the state of Texas. You've got quarters a few feet deep all over the state of Texas. You take that one red quarter and Pastor Joe opens up the door and he says, at any point in time, whenever you want to, throw that red quarter out the window. So you wait a few minutes, you toss it out the window. We come back to Ohio, we go down to the mall, we find a guy who's blind. We say, hey man, you got anything going on this afternoon? He says, absolutely not. We say, come on, come with us. We drive down to Texas. We come to the border of Texas and we walk up to that blind guy and we say, here's what we need you to do. We covered this entire state a few feet deep in quarters and just a few days ago we took a red quarter and randomly dropped it somewhere in Texas. Here's what we need you to do. We need you to walk through Texas in whatever direction, however far you want, make as many twists and turns. You can't see anyway, so it doesn't matter. Just keep going as far as you want. And at a random point when you decide, we want you to bend down and pick up one of the quarters that covers the landmass of 270,000 square miles. The odds of that blind man picking up your red-colored quarter are the same odds of Jesus fulfilling all 300 prophecies made about himself. And you want to tell me <laughs> that this isn't the Word of God? You're crazier and have more faith than I do then. I mean, it is amazing how much this book points to the reality that God is the author. The Bible is the very words of God. And if God speaks, and we believe that the foundational way He does it is through the Word of God, here's our next point. How can I not simply just hear Him, but I actually listen for Him? There's a difference. Point number two, how can I listen to or for God? Because here's the reality, and we do it every week. We show up to church, we hear the Scriptures taught, we hear the Scriptures read, and we leave, and God said nothing to us. What's the difference between simply hearing and listening? How do I listen to the voice of God? I mean, that's why we gather. That's why we read the Scriptures every day. And the first thing we have to address is the reality of, of sin. That sin that can be forgiven through the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. Friends, I want you to understand that if you have never repented of sin and never given your life to Jesus, you are separated from God. But the Bible says that we can be reunited with God in relationship with Him. But if we have never repented of sin and given our lives to Jesus, we have no, you hear this, no ability to listen for God's voice. Say, so Aaron, that's pretty drastic and harsh. Well, the Bible says it, Romans chapter 3, it'll be on the screen. There's no one righteous, not even one. And there's no one who understands God. And no one who seeks after Him apart from Christ we cannot know or seek after God. What happens when I repent of sin? The Bible teaches I repent of my sin. I turn my life over to Jesus. I go from my own way to Jesus' way. Then the Bible teaches that the Spirit of God indwells me and enables me to hear the voice of God. John 14 verse 26 says this, that the Holy Spirit who the Father will send in the name of Jesus. You ready for this? will teach you all things and will remind you of what I've told you. If you don't have the Spirit of God living inside of you, you have no ability to understand what the Word of God says, period. 
Apart from the Spirit of God, this is either a history book or it's an academic book. It's not a life-changing book. But when the Spirit of God indwells you, every time you open the book, the author shows up to talk to you. And the reality is, is you have to ask, will I actually listen to what he says? He shows up to teach you what God is communicating to you through this book. It reminds me when I first moved out of my mom and dad's house, moved into an apartment in Lancaster, Ohio. I was living the high life, two-bedroom two, two townhome on the west side of Lancaster. West side, you know, it was, it was rough. I'll be honest, it was rough. I lived off of two things. My wife can confirm this because we had just started dating at the time. Barbecue chicken and chocolate pudding. That's all I lived off of. And I can remember when I first moved into my house, I didn't know how to cook, like, like literally anything. I think I could make oatmeal and eat pudding. But mom was like, no, you need to learn to make chicken in a crock pot. And I remember she taught, some of you were like, you're really that stupid? Yeah. Like I had to literally, my mom, she, she came up to my apartment and she came and I had chicken and I had barbecue sauce and she showed me, she's like, you take the chicken, you put it in here. You had a little bit of water, you take the barbecue sauce, sweet baby rays in Jesus' name, you cover that chicken as much as you possibly can, and you press a couple of buttons, and eight hours later, you feast. And here's the truth, and, and y'all, you're thinking to yourself, I don't even know why we go to church here if you don't even know how to make a barbecue chicken sandwich. I don't know either, but I couldn't at the time. If my mom, I had all the tools necessary to make barbecue chicken, but if my mama had not shown up to show me exactly how to do it, I was clueless. I didn't know how to do it without her teaching me. Here's the simple truth. God wants to speak to you, and he's given you the tool in order to speak to you. But if you don't have the Spirit of God indwelling your life, you will never be able to listen to the voice of God. Here's the second thing. You not only do you need the Spirit of God to teach you the Word of God, here's the second thing that you also need. Time and intentionality in the Word of God. Jesus said it there in John chapter 10. Those verses will be up on the screen. I want us to just look at verse 4. Actually, no, let's read the whole thing, starting verse 2. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep, and the gatekeeper opens it, and the sheep do what? They hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name, and he leads them out. Verse 4. And when he's brought all his own outside, he goes ahead of them, and the sheep follow him. Why? Because they know his voice. Two things we see in those verses, write them down. First, the sheep have a relationship with the shepherd. The sheep in John 10 have a relationship with the shepherd. Y'all, if we don't spend time in the word of God, do not expect God to ever speak to you. If you don't spend time in the scriptures, don't expect God to speak to you. Can you imagine in my marriage that if I left every morning before my wife woke up, when I arrived home, I walked through the door and I didn't say a word to her. If your marriage is like this, see Pastor Joe after the service, by the way. We slept on opposite ends of the house and totally avoided one another. And the only communication that we had with one another was she would send me a text message in the morning and at night, I would say one sentence to her as I was slowly falling asleep. How good would our relationship be? How close would we be? Not at all. Yet how often do we treat our relationship with God in such a fashion? I mean, let's just be honest. We wake up in the morning, we don't even acknowledge the Lord. We go throughout our day, we get so busy and distracted by other things that we don't even talk to Him. 
And the only interaction that I have with His Word is something that maybe comes across my Bible app or something that I happen to see on social media because my friend posted a Bible verse. And then the only communication I have with Him is a half-thought, distracted prayer as I'm drifting off to sleep in the evening. And we wonder, how come I don't hear God speak? How come I'm not listening to His voice? Why do I feel so distant from Him? If you don't invest time and intentionality into your relationship with God through the Word of God, you will never be able to listen for God. Here's the second thing. We're getting close to closing. Not only do the sheep there in John chapter 10 have a relationship with the shepherd, but they know the voice of the shepherd, and because they know the voice, they follow him. We have competing voices vying for our attention all the time. How do we get to know the voice of Jesus in our lives? Through the Word of God. It's always going to come back to that. It's through the Word that we know the heart of God, the will of God, the plan of God, all of those things because we get to personally know God through the Word. And as we read this book, the Spirit of God begins to show us the voice of God and what He says, what He sounds like, and we get to know Him deeply. So the last point is this. How does God actually speak to us? Aaron, make it practical. If I read the Word and the Spirit of God dwells in my life, and I'm putting in the time to know the voice of Jesus. Now I have a major life decision. I need to know God's will. I need to know if we're supposed to move. What's next in my life? How do I hear God from His Word? In the Scriptures, this is known as the doctrine of illumination. It's important to know if you're a Bible nerd. Paul talks about it in two separate verses that are important. First in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, <clears throat> he says, What no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no human heart has conceived, that God has prepared these things for those who love him. Verse 10, and God has revealed these things. That's the mysteries of the word of God to us by his spirit. Jump down to verse 11. For who knows a person's thought except his spirit within him? In the same way, no one can know the thoughts of God except the spirit of God. And verse 12, jumping about halfway through, the spirit who comes from God that we have received is so that we may understand what has been freely given to us, the word. Here's another one for us, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 17, that Paul says that I pray that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, would give you what? The spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Jesus. And I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may know. God wants to speak to you with absolute clarity in your life. What is the hope of his calling and the glorious wealth of his inheritance in the saints and the immeasurable greatness of his power to those who believe according to the mighty working of his strength? The Spirit of God helps you discern what the Word of God says. How do we do it? I'll give you a simple practice from the book of Psalms. When you approach your Bible reading, approach it and take the posture of David in Psalm 119, verse 18. What's he say? Open my eyes, my spiritual eyes, Lord, so that I may contemplate, think through, meditate on, understand fully, wondrous things from what? From your instruction. Bible reading in the life of a Christian should not be something that we simply do out of duty, but something that we do in the pursuit of intimacy with Jesus. 
We don't read our Bible just because God said to. We read because we need the Word of God to speak truth into our lives. And when we read the Scriptures, and I hope that you journal the Scriptures and you write down what God's saying, sometimes that's simply going to come through. You might read Proverbs chapter 3, verse 5, that says, trust in the Lord with all of your heart. And you read that and you say, Lord, just like David prayed in Psalm 119, enlighten my spiritual eyes. What do you want to teach me? And the Spirit of God may simply go, bro, you've been trusting yourself an awful lot. You think you're pretty self-dependent, don't you? And you have to repent about where you have not trusted the Lord. And you could go over Scripture after Scripture after Scripture where sometimes what God wants to communicate to you is so simple, areas of your life that you need to repent and obey what the Word of God says. But there are other times that God is going to speak to you with absolute clarity. Things that are going to be so clear about what He wants you to do, where He wants you to go, and what He would have you say. I want to share a story with you about that as we close. I was hesitant to share this, but I feel like this is fitting. About three months ago, about four months ago roughly, um, occasionally in my vocation as a pastor, like many of you do in your vocation, you get offers for new jobs, right? This happens to you guys all the time, I'm sure. It happens to me too. And I, I, occasionally I get these. Most of the time I just, hey, thanks for thinking of me. I'm not interested. And I just sweep them off to the side. Um, this time, four months ago, I got this offer. It was from a church I was very aware of. Opportunity was incredibly significant for me and my family. And we were like, you know, I think we need to wrestle with this one and seek God's voice to be certain that we're not supposed to do this. And for about six weeks, every morning, I'd open, I could show you the journals in here. I would open the scriptures and just read and study and pray like David. Lord, open up the eyes of my heart because I don't know what I'm supposed to do in this moment. Lord, are you calling us to go or are we supposed to stay? I'm not leaving, by the way, if any of you are freaking out right now. And God was quiet. Over and over, I would write down things, and again, you're welcome to see these. And the only things that God was speaking to me were areas of my life that I needed to repent, things I needed to confess, and adjustments I needed to make in my own personal walk with Jesus. But he was not answering with clarity about what was next for our family. I was really struggling. And I had been reading through the book of Romans. You all know that we're going through Romans, and we're just taking a break until fall hits. And one evening, I think it was a Thursday or Friday night, I went to bed, and me and Liz had just got done talking about the scenario in the church and the opportunity. And I was just, I mean, I'm literally physically sick to my stomach, just, just ill, thinking through what it would mean for this church, what it would mean for living hope, so many layers, things to think through. And I just, I was, I was sick. And I told her, I said, I just got to go to bed. I can't do this. And I went upstairs, and I laid down. And I just started praying, and I said, God, my heart is breaking on so many levels because I'm not exactly certain what you're calling my family to do in this moment. And Lord, I need you to speak with absolute clarity. And in that moment, I kept hearing this. Don't build on another man's foundation. Don't build on another man's foundation. I want you to hear me. That was not Aaron's thoughts. That's a Bible verse if you didn't know that. Because what often happens as you read the scriptures, how the Spirit of God is going to speak to you is He's going to bring to mind what the Word of God says. He's not going to speak apart from it. He will always speak through the Word. Always. And so He was bringing to memory this verse. Don't build on another man's foundation. Don't build on... 
I, I was sitting there mulling over that for a second. I'm like, I don't know what verse that is. And so I jumped on Google real fast, and I typed that into Google. Don't build on another man's foundation. And I pulled up this verse. It was Romans chapter 15, verse 20. And I read it, and here's what God's Word says. I believe this was with clarity that God was speaking to me. He said, my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. If y'all know anything about me, that's my heart. I love the nations. It's, I love what we're doing next door and how that's integrating into the, the heart of the church. I love missions. I love, that's who I am. That's why we do a lot of what we do as this church, because it's just overflowing from mine and Pastor Joe's heartbeats. So my ambition has been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. And then listen to this. This is where the Spirit of God spoke with clarity through the Word of God on whether or not I was supposed to leave Living Hope and go to this other church. Rather than where a church has already been started by somebody else. And laying in my bed, I knew with clarity that God said, I called you to start a church. And I called you to stay where I initially put you. Don't you dare move, boy. Somebody else is going to pastor that one. That wasn't Aaron's feelings. That wasn't my own thoughts. That wasn't anything conceived in the back of my mind. What was it? The Scriptures. The Word of God. And the Spirit of God uses the Word of God and brings them together and can speak with clarity to His kids. But you know how long it took? And Liz reminded me of this. Six weeks. Remember this, friends, as we close. Hearing is very passive. But if you want to listen to God, be very intentional. Be very methodical. You have to be in the Word of God. And we're going to show you over these next few weeks how even through the Scriptures, there's other ways that God is going to confirm what He's always, already said in His Word because I know so many of you have major life decisions that you're praying through and things that you're trying to work through, and I want to show you with clarity how God can speak to you and tell you exactly what he wants you to do with your life. Can we pray together? God, we love you. We thank you for your word. I pray our time in the scriptures today was helpful for your church, Lord, that it equips, that it edifies, it encourages, it builds up and sends us out to not only be those that simply hear the word of God, but those that listen Lord, we want to be people that seek your face and seek understanding to what you have exactly called us to do. We love you, Jesus. Pray now as we sing that our voices are a sweet sound through the throne room of heaven, giving Jesus the praise that he and only he deserves. It's in your name we pray. Amen.